0: everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having in the agency. I'm Peter Yujicic, head of technology at situation. And today I have two wonderful guests with me in the studio. First up is Lisa Cicchini, VP of Media and Insights. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Hi, Peter. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And we have another familiar voice from one from who's been on the podcast how many times now?
1: This is my fourth time. I fourth
0: think. time. Steph Chandra, creative strategy supervisor here at Situation. Hey, Steph. Hey, Peter! Welcome back.
1: Thanks. I feel like we need Blazers, like how SNL is the Five Timers Club. Oh. We should start getting them. Okay. Well,
0: oh, we do have them for your for your fifth time. Oh, You'll have one. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. we're getting it sized right now.
1: Yes.
0: Um, so, uh, to our topic today, and I can't think of two people who I'd rather have this conversation with. Even even before we turned on the mics, we started really getting into it. So, uh, was was inspired by by really two things. The first of which uh, was. The talk that you gave Lisa at our most recent event that we did at Google this year um, do you what was the title of that talk? Do you remember? it had a great title with a subtitle if you don't remember the title I won't put you on the spot but the 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 concept was about uh, the algorithm of pricing and whether or not showing different pricing to different people at the point of sale was ethical is that is that my close to?
2: Yeah, that's close. Um, I have no idea what the title was. It probably changed 10 times before I landed on a title. The talk was mainly it started off talking about some of the emerging technology that would allow for changes in the choice of advertising and how we might change messaging based on these different technologies that are out there, like facial recognition software. And then it kind of went into more changes at the point of sale, because the conversation about ethics and advertising really isn't new, because that's been around for pretty much since advertising was born. And It's a conversation that still continues to happen, but the conversation that I don't think is happening as much that is a conversation that we need to be having is what are the ethics when it comes to point of sale? Because algorithms can be making adjustments to your pricing or pricing options or to your choice options based on information that it either knows about you because you've self-reported it or information it's inferred about you based on your online behavior. And the talk was really about this could be happening and frankly might be happening and we just don't know it with brands while we're looking to purchase online. So it's a conversation we should be having as marketers about what we think is and is not the ethical boundary that our brand should be abiding by.
0: And, and you gave a really great example as a hypothetical with some great screenshots where you posited that you were buying uh, an airplane ticket to go home to Midlothian, Virginia, and based on the fact that the website knew where you lived, the fact that you didn't have kids, it could assume that perhaps you'd be willing to pay a higher price for that ticket. And what would happen if it only showed you those higher prices or really minimized uh, your choice to be able to say, "We, based on what we know, we think we can get more money out of you, so we're going to ask you for more money. Right. And And, and the fact that there would be <clears throat> potentially no human being who would be making that decision it would, would happen on the fly for you lisa mm-hmm. uh and and i think another the i, I thought that was a, a really great uh, conversation starter that's why i wanted to talk more about it today and then the other thing that kind of came into my brain when i was thinking about this topic was uh, a talk that i saw at south by southwest this year uh, a guy called andrew burt who is the chief privacy officer at a company called immuta gave a talk called uh Software is Eating the Law. And basically, he related a story about a person who was sentenced for a crime and an algorithm was used by a company to determine what his sentence should be. And uh he was given a pretty severe sentence for what the crime was. And it was determined by a computer. And he actually sued the company who made the algorithm to determine, you know, what were the things that went into that. And he was denied based on the fact that it was intellectual property of some third party company, knowing what were the decisions that made into to the sentence that he was going to then have to live out and, and the ethics behind applying those kinds, same kind of algorithms, to things that that have a real consequence, more than an airplane ticket, but how long somebody stays in jail. And, you know, again, really where are the, the lines that are drawn uh, between, uh, you know, marketing and kind of taking what we know to say, hey, we think you're going to like this product versus now all of a sudden we're determining how long you are not free. You know, where are we crossing a line and what are the ethics with that? Um, Steph, uh, you know, as a strategist here at Situation, uh, you all the time are, are asked to kind of use your human intuition, your, your human brain and your experience to kind of come up with ideas and concepts that you think are going to resonate with people that are going to make one of people, people want to engage with our brands, engage with our clients. How do you see the issue of applying, uh, computer algorithms and, and information that is gleaned from people? How does that impact the work that you do? Do you have any fear about? Uh, The ethics of of using uh, knowledge about consumer behavior when, when you're coming up with what you're coming up with for your job?
1: Yes and no. I think what's sort of interesting about our situation philosophy a little bit is whether it's algorithms or data at large, we sort of have this commitment to the balance of data and gut and how the best ideas come from when the two things work together, um, which I think is is very true at least the way things are right now and the level at which uh, certain technologies exist. But I also think that you know there's a in that same Google talk, our VP of Creative, Tom, talked about the sort of initial reaction is if there is something that can automate so quickly based on data sets about what we know about people, are we then creating um, a dangerous atmosphere where a whole line of work is now not needed from a human resources perspective? But I think once you get past that initial shock, there's something liberating about, uh, I mean, hyper-targeting also comes along with hyper-messaging, and hyper-messaging comes with a lot of asset creation that needs to be done quickly and your real time that, you know, it actually alleviates the time of creative professionals from having to create once the the strategy is in place, they don't have to, we can use that automation to create those unique assets for us. So we can move on to the next more, um, what's the next strategy in the next universe that we're looking to create.
0: So it's like the way people have used machines all throughout history. If it can do some of the heavy lifting, if it can get you to the point, if it can get a human more quickly to the point of being able to make sense of it that's, that's good. I mean, that's, that's a good use of technology. And, you know, if if I think, you know, if, if I could go to a, if you come up with an idea for, let's say an email campaign that you want to target very specifically or an ad campaign, and you can very quickly come up with a list of subset of people that you think will be receptive to that, that's great. That's a great use of the technology of using what you know about people to speed up how quickly you can try something. But, but then if, if the same, if you extend that hypothetically into the future, where now we're kind of micro targeting and micro trying creative strategy ideas against that list with the human being out of the equation. Do you see a world where that's likely?
1: I don't know. I mean, I think it all comes back to, and this is sort of, you know, you mentioned that we started talking even before we turned the mics on about the the right to appeal, whether that's at point of sale, whether that's in advertising, whether that's in more serious situations like you heard at South by Southwest. Uh, there was a great example Lisa and I were chatting about last week where there's a pizza company in Norway that was showing their, they were using, they wanted to use facial um, recognition technology in their billboards to generate customized messaging for what you would see. And one of the examples they showed is if you were if they recognized that you were a woman, they were serving you a salad whereas if they recognized you were a man, they were going to show you a sausage pizza. And I think at some point whether or not that logic was flawed from a human perspective or an algorithm, the right to appeal that is going to also save a lot of um I mean there's always like those backlash conversations and the when you're making choices based on certain subsets of data there always are going to be people who that are the exceptions to the rule and how do we handle those situations? And I think, yeah. that's another piece of the conversation and
2: there's a, a point at which in the spectrum when when is it okay to do the sausage pizza salad combo when is it not okay like on a billboard and they read your car you know when you're driving and um there's the speed limit thing that says your speed is blah 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 right. so what if you know it was reading what your car was and making an assumption by the car that you were driving of the type of person you were so then it changes like is that okay i mean it's not taking my choice it's right. just advertising oh that's one thing and now you're at the actual pizza shop. And the menu is dynamically changing just to like put the salads right in front of you versus the sausage pizza still available, but kind of to the side. Like, is that okay, Or is it like, no, here's your menu. You only get the salad. You don't even get the choice of the pizza. You know, where where is it or is it the salad's more expensive or there's so many different places that you can be using this technology to make changes um, in that full 360 spectrum of marketing to consumers actually converting and where is it okay and where is it not okay? And I think that's that's yeah. the very personal question that all brands should be addressing.
0: Well, and, and I, I think, um, you know, it makes me think of something that I thought of when, when you were giving your talk uh, originally, Lisa, which was, you know, the, as consumers get smarter uh, and, you know, we, we're also developing these ways to kind of fool the algorithm. Um, I Just the other day I, I knew that there was a product for a company that had a website and I was interested in buying it. And I knew, uh, I went onto the website, I put the item in my cart, I, I gave them my email address, and then I intentionally didn't buy it. And sure enough, within uh, you know, three hours, I got an email follow-up that says, hey, we noticed that you abandoned your cart, how about if we give you free shipping? So I think people or consumers are also getting smarter to 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 think about ways to kind of game the system. And yeah, I, that that was enough for me. I, I utilized that coupon and I bought the thing. And and I think, you know, the as long as as a human, I feel like there's a there's agency in what I can do to either see appeal the prices that are being presented to me or. I still feel like I have some control within the, it, it would have been different if, you know, but I'm sure we're not too far away from, you know, the, the algorithm even being smart enough to know that that's my behavior, and now it's not going to give me that offer. But, you know, so it, it feels like a constant one-upsmanship of a game that...
2: It's man versus machine. It is, kind it's of. It's like that chess match against that chess master versus the computer in the yeah. 80s. Like, it's
0: <laughs> like, yeah, who exactly.
2: is going to outsmart it's who here? Around.
0: Right, and, and, they're, they're will, and eventually, I think that's a great example, because I think it's rec- largely recognized in the chess world right now, that that is a game that the 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 game is over, the the computer in you know in like ninety nine out of a hundred times will beat the human. Like we have we we have perfected that technology, and it took them a while, but now there really is. I mean, the they've we've thrown in the towel as a species against that. And I just wonder if if that's the inevitable future that we're headed to with uh with with purchasing decision. And and you know I I think especially you know in this country we have this feeling that we have a right to call up any you know our phone company and harass them about you know how long i've been a good consumer and a customer of yours i demand a better price and we kind of expect that somebody's going to give way and, and come back to us and remedy that. A human being in most cases. And I think that's a large part of how we build up the way that we engage with the world. And without that, uh, you know, or we see it all the time in live events, people that are scouring constantly to get the lottery ticket or get the, the find the deal. And there's just so much about that built into how we engage with the world that when that's removed, I wonder how that's going to change our behavior. Um, Maybe I'm maybe i over uh, – maybe I'm painting too dark a picture of it, but I, I see that one – I feel – my feeling is, especially in the work that we do, when we find something that works and that kind of raises that return on investment, even a couple of percentage points, we embrace it whole hog. And we kind of say, like, let's use it for everything. Mm-hmm. Let's dive in. Are, are there – are there other examples in kind of the work that you do? Uh, help me, talk me off the ledge a little bit here. Pre- present some of the best case scenarios where we've, ta- we've, we've worked well with these kind of predictive technologies without kind of giving up our soul or the human element of, of what we do. Are there examples like in, in, in media? I, I know programmatic buying in media is something that we've been doing a lot more in the last couple of years. Are you, do you have any concerns with that, Lisa, in terms of, you know, all of those decisions being made when you are presented with a a, a, a particular client or, or brand where they need you to think uh, creatively about how we're going to market something, about mm-hmm. who we're going to put the message in front of.
2: Yeah, the, the interesting thing about online advertising specifically versus something like outdoor, like the, the pizza shop example, is that it's going to be a lot harder to detect if you're getting something different than somebody else online because it's not everything's personalized, it's not mass messaging. Um, I, I know there's a McDonald's example where I think they got a lot of flack for advertising heavily in um, lower in- lower income areas in the deep south. Um, because their data showed that that's where their sales were coming from, so it was like, okay, great. Well, let's put more outdoor advertising in there. But those areas also over-indexed for being highly African American. So I think it's easier to to see in in the outdoor space in particular than it is in the the online space. Um, but we, I mean, I think the the shift uh, the shift from traditional IO based media buying to programmatic buying has been happening for quite some time and that in and of itself could almost be considered a precursor. It's, yes. it's the whole, it's the whole idea of machine buying and that's literally the definition of programmatic buying. It's using software instead of a human to make choices. Like the human makes the upfront choices, but then the algorithm does the rest of the work and it's making choices and feeding content based on what we're targeting.
0: And do you do you ever see has it ever come up in a conversation where something didn't work as expected, uh, where then the machine that made that choice could be the scapegoat, could be the fall guy? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we use this program and the program must be flawed as a way to kind of deflect responsibility for a choice. Whereas, you know, in the past when a human says, I think we should buy in this publication because it's, you know, it's indexing for who we think we want. And if that doesn't work, then that could be, you know, oh we made the wrong choice. But do you do you see any scapegoating of the technology as, as this becomes more part of the world?
2: Um, I would like to think that we don't do that. (laughs) And I can't honestly, I can't think of a time that we've ever done anything like that. But, you know, we do we do make assumptions. Like I can think of one client right now that um, they, they have a very wide range of ages purchasing their product. So we're making an assumption that people that are younger need a lower price point. And the people that are older need a higher price point. So the younger people might get a ticket starting at message, but the older people aren't getting that message. I personally am fine with that because I think we're making a pretty clear cut choice. Age is not, and this is, again, it depends on the brand, but to me, age isn't a protected class. It's not something you can change about yourself. I'm not, everyone has an age Everyone ages mm-hmm. without control. Right. Um, it's not something about your lifestyle that you've chosen that you can't change. You can't change it about yourself, but like it's the same for everyone. Like right. it just you're in you're and in a progression. Will,
0: everyone will pass through that spectrum at some point.
2: Yes, hopefully. I yep.
0: we all get there. Yeah,
2: um, and so making that decision about changing the messaging to me is just. Smart marketing. We're not, t- but the difference is not the we're not changing sale. the point of sale. That's right. the difference. If we now, if we used to went to go buy that ticket, and the only option available to you was the top price point, that would be a problem. Would it be a problem though if the dominant message at the point of sale was the top price point, and then the other ones they're available? Kind of got to hunt a little bit to find them. Blah blah. blah. I might be okay with that um, as long as they're not being taken away completely. I don't want, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, um, but not necessarily a representation of situation or active. Uh, I'm speaking as least at the moment. Um, but I think my point is that, or my position is that as long as you're not taking anything away from someone, it's okay. I don't think you should be changing the prices, but if the same listing of choices available and just one's more Easy to see, one's more prominent because of things that we've been detected about you, particularly things that are things like age that we all go through. Right. You know, and you know, I, it gets a little trickier when you're talking about like right.
0: you, you gender might, or yeah, you sexual preference or something like if that. It said, but you know, because yeah. you're a woman, Lisa, we think that you want the salad and not the sausage pizza.
2: Right. I think that's a little different. Because yeah. um, that's making assumptions. Actually. See, this is the problem. I can talk myself out of anything. <laughs> I would be the worst politician ever because now I'm second guessing what I just said.
1: Well, well no. I feel like the, <laughs> there's an interesting like thing at play because we talked about like there's a difference between – there's that ethical spectrum between advertising versus point of sale. But I also think particularly in the digital space, something that we go through that offline um, or traditional advertising doesn't really have to reckon with as much is are we making choices based on um, – sort of, are we making choices with technology or choosing to use the technology to make our choices for us from a marketing standpoint or from a user experience customer service standpoint mm. because that is also you know that plays into the game of ethics are we doing this to benefit us as a salesperson or are we doing it to benefit you as the user to make sure you have as few clicks as possible to get to what you need or you're able to find the messaging that we've promised to you somewhere else as quickly and as easy as possible so I think that also becomes part of another layer mm. of the conversation particularly digitally the same can be yeah. said of all those the remarketing retargeting ads that you get from the stores when you have your empty cart and things like that. Um, yeah. It's how do you how do you balance that out? And then the slippery slope of once you've started to do that, how do you make sure you close the loop? Because it's never just one choice. There are a lot of brands out there who get you with the retargeting and they follow you around on the internet because you haven't bought that thing from whatever vendor you're looking at. And then I've run into a lot which surprises me and it could just be because I know how we do things internally. I still get those retargeting messages at the same frequency after I've purchased. Yeah. So like once you start to go down that path, you have, you can't not think about, okay, then once they've <laughs> converted, what are we doing with that information after? And it could right. be as simple as we don't talk to them anymore, but if you are, cause to me, they're, they're wasting then their dollars on somebody who's right. already converted. But
0: that's, that's, that's like it. the tyranny of the Christmas gift. We, we had a story in my family where there was a member of my family who one Christmas ex- said, Oh, you know what? I might like this year for Christmas is some potpourri. And then for the next 20 years, that person was known as the person who liked potpourri and they got more than they could ever stand. So I think you're right. I think there is something about the, we, we have to do a better job about, e- even in the marketing of, of shows, uh, you know, I'll buy a ticket to a show and sometimes I'll I'll continuously get more marketing. It's like, hey, that show that you like is coming back. And I th- I think that, that there should be a feedback mechanism to say, okay, we know you've consumed the thing. But I, I also think something you said, Steph, is interesting around the tyranny of choice around a company like Amazon, where they have everything. Of course, I want Amazon to weed down or, or like Netflix, I want those companies to present to me information that is going to be more relevant because there is just too much. It's all the stuff. Whereas opposed to if it's uh, an airline where I've indicated I want one very specific thing, I have to get from point A to point B. You know, I I do. uh, It's a very it's a much more selective thing that I'm after. So I do want it to be a little bit. I don't know that I necessarily want you to game it in the same way for me. I do want you to be thinking about me as a consumer, like what is going to be the fewer number of connections or the shortest period of time or let me tell you what I want and then just give, I kind of trust that you're not gaming the answer if I've given you five or thing, five or six things around you know a very specific thing that i'm looking for but i don't know i'm not sure if that makes a difference well
2: it's hard because amazon and i don't know what their business model is but i'm assuming the they're just they're just looking to make sales they don't really care what you buy yeah. they're probably hoping probably the more that you buy the better cut that they get however they work um but that's one thing when it's like the bigger thing and and the goal is just to get you to buy something don't really care what you buy versus well now i'm I'm here, I'm in this store, I'm gonna buy something here. Then it really is, I think much more heavily weighted towards that transaction, how much you're selling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the choice thing is hard because in some ways it's 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 a goes both ways. like if you go if you go to a restaurant and there's 500 things on the menu, it could take you a really long time and it's really hard to choose. If you go to a yeah. restaurant there's 10 things on the menu, it's a lot easier. So you could argue that the menu with the less choices is doing something for the consumer because it's making it easier for them. But you right. could also argue that, what it's the hell, long. I don't want to eat any of these yeah. 10 crappy <laughs> dishes that you have on your menu. Yeah. You're not giving me enough choices in order for me to actually enjoy this restaurant.
0: Well, so, That's a great example because I, we sometimes make the – the when, when People, when clients come to work with us and as an agency, I sometimes make the analogy are they looking for a short order cook or are they looking for a chef? you know where if you go to a menu, if you go to a restaurant with fewer choices, what they're saying inherently is you are you, we are giving you something curated that, that the chef has designed that you are going to enjoy. you kind of trust the human being who's behind the, the grill that they are going to satisfy you. Whereas a short order cook, yeah, you go into a diner, you have that 50 page menu and you can get whatever you want and they'll, it'll probably be okay. But you have that choice, but you know, you're, because you made that choice, maybe the fish wasn't fresh that day, but you chose to order the fish. So you got it. So I, I think that there is, and, and we both, we think of going into a, a diner versus going into a really fancy restaurant in different ways. We go to them for different, to, to, to scratch a different itch. As well, it's, it were.
1: it's tough too, because as much as, you know, these technology platforms know about us they don't know of those different i don't want to say deal breakers which one is truly the most is the deal breaker for us is it price is it timing is it where i can sit like what are the things in that moment of choice that are going to be the thing that's most important um right and that could differ even though you are the same person and you show the same online behavior for those particular moments of whether it's a vacation trip whether it's a routine trip you take there's just no way to at least right now to really connect the dots between that feed feedback loop and say, yes, I care about, you know, the specific date, the specific time, the specific price and where I'm sitting, but there's no way to make a hierarchy of those things so that we can, I guess this goes back to your point of like consciousness. Like we can't teach them what, what the things that will make make or break our decisions.
0: Well, I mean, I think that to me, that's where my brain goes is. I don't think, I think we don't, I think it will learn, but I don't know that it will be because we taught it. (laughs) I think the technology platforms will get there. I think we're seeing it kind of every single day and it's both exciting. I I mean, it, it, it's fascinating. I think there's nobody in this room that doesn't love to see a really interesting data set and kind of, kind of get the thrill of, of analyzing behavior and learning more about it. Uh, And, you know, I, I, the genie is out of the bottle. The toothpaste is out of the tube. This is, this is where we, these are the things that we grapple with every day, which is, you know, uh, but I can't think of two better people that I'd rather be trying to figure this out with um, Lisa and Steph. Uh, thank you so much for uh, a great conversation.
2: Thank you, Peter.
0: Uh, And for you, our listeners, we would love to hear about the ethical conundrums that you are dealing with every day, technologically or not. Please send us an email to podcast at situation.myc. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.